This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, let us pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks uh, for this new year. Uh, we give you thanks uh, in this place as we celebrate Epiphany together uh, for this chance to be reminded of the light uh, that still shines and reminds us of your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, uh, we simply ask uh, that whether it is through the prayers that are prayed, uh, through the songs that we sing, through the people that we gather with, or through your word proclaimed, uh, that you would uh, move in us, that your Holy Spirit would move and transform us, and that through your word, uh, we might know your love, your grace, and your power. This morning, as your word is proclaimed, Lord, uh, we simply ask uh, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Uh, so this morning's lesson, a gospel lesson, comes from Matthew uh, chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 1. I invite you to hear this word from Matthew's gospel. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, a wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is a shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me words that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, this morning, uh, we are actually celebrating Epiphany uh, about a week early, uh, actually five days early. Uh, Epiphany is celebrated on January 6th, uh, which is uh, later this week. Uh, but we felt like it was a good time for us to uh, claim this day, uh, particularly the week after Christmas, uh, to celebrate this day and to be reminded of what Epiphany means for us. Uh, this morning, I want to look at a couple definitions. These are actually uh, from dictionary.com. Uh, and so it is the great, it is no longer the great Webster. Uh, it is the great Google that finds these things for us. Uh, but I want to share a little bit about what Epiphany means. I know for some of us, this is a long standing tradition in our church and in our homes. Uh, and for others, it is something that may not be as familiar. And so the first definition from dictionary.com is this Epiphany is simply. A Christian festival observed on January 6th, commemorating the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles and the persons of the Magi, or the 12th day. 
Epiphany is sometimes called Three Kings Day. The one time of year we get to sing, you know, oh, the Three Kings of Orient are, is today. It's the only time we sing that song, typically. Uh, and so some of you may have come this morning simply to sing that. <laughs> but we gather and we sing and we celebrate these three kings or these magi or these wise men uh, who saw a prophecy, who saw uh, and knew of this child who was to be born and traveled from the east to come see and experience this birth or the, the child who was born who was going to be king of the Jews. And so they, they journeyed and they traveled and they came and the church has celebrated uh, for many, many years, for thousands of years, this event. In fact, uh, before about the fourth century, uh, the church celebrated Epiphany uh, way more often than they celebrated Christmas. Uh, and so we actually made this holiday a much more significant holiday uh, than what Christmas was. And so that's, what, that's where we are. The last part of that definition uh, is something that you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, it's the 12th day. Uh, for many of you, you may know that the 12 days of Christmas is not just a funny holiday song uh, that they get strange gifts for. But the 12th day, 12 days of Christmas is actually this time between December 25th and January 6th. And Epiphany is that 12th day. It is that last day of celebrating this Christmas season. And so these are the 12 days of Christmas. In fact, in our culture, we tend to get it backwards. Uh, we celebrate, we decorate, we eat, uh, we eat some more, we gather, uh, we celebrate, and we eat again uh, for the month leading up to Christmas. So for Advent, uh, rather than Advent being a time where we expect and anticipate and look forward to Christmas, Advent is a time where we celebrate Christmas. We light up our homes and our lives and our trees, and we gather for feast days uh, in that season. Instead, the church, early church, used Advent as a time to expect, and then the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany would celebrate. And so for these 12 days, uh, between December 25th and January 6th, there would be feast days. There are feast days and holy days and seasons to celebrate and to eat and to eat some more. And that's what they would do. And they would, from about the 4th century until the Reformation, that season was very important. Now, my wife uh, likes to celebrate Christmas on both sides of Christmas, and so she decorates before Christmas and then leaves the lights up until Epiphany. She says that is theologically correct, uh, and I'm not one to argue with her. Uh, but that's the way we celebrate Christmas. For us in the church, what we often do, is, or in the culture, what we often do is we stop on Christmas. We begin to de-decorate and take down our trees and take down our lights. Uh, we begin to enter into new patterns. Uh, we begin to, rather than eat and eat some more, uh, most of us decide now it's time to diet and diet some more. Uh, but that is the shift, and that's what's happening uh, in Epiphany. The second part of that definition, uh, before Twelfth Day, is also a really significant definition for the life of the church. And that is that it was a time where Christ encountered the Gentiles where Christ was made aware to those uh, outside the Jewish community. See, one of the things that was part of the early church's debates and rhythms was that for many years, uh, early between Paul and Peter especially, they would debate uh, the role of Gentiles, of outsiders to the Jewish faith, and how Christ relates to them. And so Epiphany was to Paul 
and to the early church a sign that from the very beginning, uh, Christ encountered those who were outside that traditional Jewish community. They were the ones that were not Jewish. And we don't know where they came from. Uh, The only thing scripture tells us is that wise men or magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Excuse me. And so that's all we know about them. Uh, Tradition sometimes tells us they are from Persia or from India or from um, the Arab parts of the world. But that is all we know about them. All we know is they are not uh, Jewish. And so these kings, these wise men, these magi come and they encounter Christ in this place. And so for us, as we look at this day, as this story, this gospel lesson, uh, one thing that we are reminded is that Epiphany is a chance to be reminded that the story of Christmas, the truth of Christmas, uh, is not simply for us, the church, but is for those who have yet to know uh, the truth and the gospel of Jesus. But I want to shift, really, to another definition from Dictionary.com this morning. And it's actually third on that list. And I think, Steve, do we have it up there? And what it says is this. An epiphany is a sudden or intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something, usually initiated by some simple, homely, or commonplace occurrence or experience. And I would really like to spend the rest of our time on that definition this morning. In chapter 2, verses uh, 2 and 3, as the wise men come and they encounter uh, Herod, they ask this question. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. And when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. One of the things about an epiphany is that often it happens when a simple or seemingly insignificant event happens and our, li- our eyes are opened. Uh, it's different than enlightenment uh, that comes from reason and rationality. An epiphany is usually something small and, again, insignificant that might reveal something to us and disturb us. In the Bibles, in your pew Bibles, in the NRSV, it actually reads, uh, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed or disrupted and all of Jerusalem with him. And this is an, an important verse in Matthew's gospel because I think it reminds us uh, that this birth, this insignificant child, it seemed, uh, in this insignificant town of Bethlehem that lived in the shadow of Jerusalem, had the ability to disturb and disrupt a king. See, for Herod, he heard this news, even from outsiders, that this child was to be born. That this child uh, was to be born and he would be king of the Jews, and that news disturbed him. And apparently it disturbed him enough uh, that he, not only he, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. This baby, born to poor uh, people from Nazareth, an insignificant town, a town that later in the Gospels, Nathaniel will ask uh, what good can come from Nazareth. Born in the town of Bethlehem, this little town outside of Jerusalem, which was an important town historically, 
uh, because of its relationship to King David and would become an important town historically for us because of the birth of Jesus, but at the time was simply a suburb of this major metropolis that was Jerusalem. This seemingly insignificant, regular rhythm, this regular event, had the ability to disturb and disrupt the king. Had the ability to disturb and disrupt uh, his authority. And I think there are lots of reasons for that. Uh, One is that for Herod to hear this news uh, meant that his authority, his kingship, his comfort, his reality, all the things that he knew, his relationships, uh, all had the potential to be disturbed by this small child. And, And the question that I keep coming back to as I have read and reread this gospel this morning is a simple question. And it's this. Does the birth of Jesus still disturb and disrupt us? Does the birth of Jesus, does Christmas, does this seemingly insignificant, this seemingly sort of normal event in a small town now thousands of years removed from us still have the ability to disturb and disrupt us? Are we like King Herod, willing to let our lives be disturbed and disrupted by Christmas? I think that's one of the questions that as we enter into this new year, especially, Epiphany has the ability to help us ask. Epiphany helps us to ask, does this child, born in a stable, laid in a manger, still have the ability, still have the power, still have the authority to disturb and disrupt our lives? And I think that's the question for the season. For many of us uh, today, uh, the more celebrated day today is New Year's. Uh, We gathered, some of us last night, and stayed up late, later than we normally do. I know about 9.30, I was very ready to go to bed. And we waited for the turning of a clock uh, that otherwise meant very little. Uh, Simply numbers on a screen or numbers on a clock face that otherwise may not mean much. And yet, for many of us, we still allow that simple, insignificant moment in time to challenge us. You know, there are traditions, I know for many of you and for our family as well, that will make New Year's resolutions. Uh, In 2015, they published a list of sort of the most popular ones. I think Steve's got a picture of that. And there are things like this. You know, stay fit and healthy. Lose weight. Uh, Enjoy life to the fullest. Spend less and save more. Spend more time with families and friends. Get organized. Some said we will not make any more resolutions. (laughs) I resolve to not make resolutions. Learn something new or a new hobby. You travel more or read more. I think for many of us, we let this day, this moment in time, challenge us to new ways of being, new patterns of behavior, new ways of living. And my challenge and my invitation this morning, as we begin this new year together, is that rather than a simple turn of a clock being the thing that instigates in us this invitation to behave differently, to do things differently, instead I wonder, 
is if this little child, uh, born in a manger over 2,000 years ago, might have a more significant power, might have a more important power to disrupt and disturb us, to disrupt and change our patterns that might invite us to a new way of living, a new way of being, a new way of uh, existing as people who choose on this day uh, to make this place and these people and this event important for us. And so this is my question for us this morning. Will you, will we, allow Christmas to be the thing that disrupts, disturbs, and challenges us in this new year? Will we let Christmas, will we let the birth of a baby, a child, in a manger, in an insignificant town, from an insignificant family, thousands of years ago, continue to disrupt and disturb us so that we might live differently in 2017? And if you are willing, if we are willing, I would challenge you in these three spaces. Now, you are welcome to get fit and healthy. Don't, most of you, like myself, will begin dieting today. But I would challenge you to instead look in these three areas. And if you're taking notes, you can write these three down. The first is in your relationship with God. Will you allow Christmas? Will you allow the birth of Christ? Will you allow in this new year... Jesus, to disrupt and challenge and change your relationship with God. And there are lots of ways that that certainly might happen. It could be in how you build rhythms uh, from how you take down Christmas. I know for many of us, this week will be undecorating. And my question is, when we undecorate, when we begin to put Christmas away, and we, in our family, will put the nativity scene away, uh, will we leave Jesus there for the coming year? Or will we find pat patterns and rhythms and ways to incorporate Jesus into our daily lives, into our daily rhythms? Perhaps it is finding a devotional or finding some pattern of reading scripture this year uh, to enter into daily rhythms of engaging in God's word. Uh, you've heard over and over again from me that the most important thing I think that we can do as followers of Christ is get familiar with this book, is actually know what this book says. And not simply what we think it says or what we hoped it would say or what we might believe it to say or what Facebook tells us it might say. But that we would actually get familiar with Scripture. And so I would challenge you in your relationship with God to find ways to engage in Scripture this year. For me and my family, uh, we use an app. If you have a smartphone and are in that uh, rhythm, uh, call it just the Bible app. It's by a group called YouVersion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And they have devotions, they have hundreds of them, that if you're looking for ways to read scripture that you can engage in, it will help you keep up and keep track and check off boxes. And so I would encourage you, whether it's that or whether it's a book, many of your Bibles will actually have reading plans in the back. I'd encourage you to check those out as well. But find a way to be in rhythm, to be in scripture. Find a way to pray. Again, I think one of the things that we celebrate as United Methodists is that we believe in a God who is holy and alive and moving still today. And so we pray, and we listen, and we hear. We pray that we would be led not by our own wisdom, but by God's wisdom. And so I'd invite you again to find rhythms to pray. For some of you, that may mean journaling. I know one of the practices that I engage in uh, is journaling. It helps me to write down my prayers and write down how I'm hearing and responding uh, to God. So that's the first thing. Find ways to be in relationship with God. 
The second thing is find ways to let Christmas disrupt your relationship with others. So to disrupt your relationships. You know, one of the things we read in Epiphany is that you know, Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. And so those relationships are some inside the church and some inside these walls as well as outside these walls. And so I would encourage you over the next several days to pray and to write down names of people that God might be inviting you to be in relationship with. Perhaps those are folks inside the church family who can sharpen you, who can challenge you, who can hold you accountable to a way of living, who can hold you accountable to be a people changed and challenged by Jesus. And so find out who those people are and find ways to be in relationship with them. Perhaps it's folks outside the church walls, outside the community. Perhaps it's neighbors or coworkers, some people that God is inviting you into relationship with to bear witness to the love of Christ in this world. But pray and discover who those people might be and write down those names and then find ways to be in relationships that are disrupted and shaped and patterned by Christ this year. And the last thing is this, not only with God and with others, but with this world. So, and let Christmas disrupt our relationship with God, disrupt relationships with each other, and disrupt our relationship with the world. And just ask yourself, how is Christmas changing the way I see and engage in our world this year? Whether that's the places we work, the places we live, the places we play, wherever it may be, I would ask, how does Christ's birth change the way we interact with this world? You know, for some of you that may be uh, signing up to serve, you might sign up for something like Family Promise and to engage in, in volunteer service to care for those in our community in need. For others, it might mean once a month uh, adding a bag to your grocery list and bringing groceries uh, for Western Way Crisis Ministry. Uh, for even others, it might be the way that you uh, eat or recycle or take care of this earth that we've entrusted with, whatever it may be would find ways that you interact with this world differently this year and ask the question, how does Christ change the ways that we live in this community, the way that we care for our neighbor, and the way that we care for our world? This morning, I am going to get ready to head over uh, to the other service. Uh, so if I preached a little faster this morning, I apologize. I am trying to get it all in. Uh, we get uh, folks back in here next week. But I would say this. Uh, my prayer for us my prayer for you, my prayer for my family this year is that Christmas would not simply be a holiday uh, that we decorate for, that we de-decorate after, and that we move on with our lives. And that this new year would not simply be a moment in time, but it would be a moment whereby we are challenged to live differently, to live as people shaped by the seemingly insignificant event, that we would know scripture, that we would know prayer, and that we would be a people who find relationship with each other that changes who we are. That is my prayer and my hope for this new year. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to head that way. Almighty God, uh, we do give you thanks. We give you thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus. We give you thanks for those three magi or kings that came from the east to celebrate him, to worship him, and to bring good news to all of us. To remind us that your son, who was born in that small town thousands of years ago, still has the power to change and transform this world. We pray this morning that he would change and transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.